Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Last week, we started a conversation about gratitude, and we started talking about how to grow in gratitude. There are Six basic emotions that human beings are born with. We are all born with the ability to feel happiness, sadness, fear, anger, disgust, and surprise. If you have had children, you have probably seen all six of those things happen. Sometimes children have the ability to make multiple things happen at once, which results in your surprise. I remember uh, as a first-time father, (laughs) we were in the hospital, and my baby Stella, who's my oldest now, I I had the the opportunity to change her diaper. And it was a very exciting time. I believe they caught it on film. Maybe one day I'll show it to you. But I went to change her diaper, and she unleashed... I don't even know how to explain it, but it came out hard and fast, and I'm dipping and dodging, you know, kind of like the Matrix. But uh, needless to say, I was very surprised that something that small could produce something so large. (laughs) But all of those six things are emotions that we are born with. We're able to process them fairly quickly. But you notice that gratitude is not on that list. The reason gratitude didn't make it to that list is because it's not something we're born with. It's something that we have to grow and cultivate. I was listening to a friend of mine talk about anxiety and the process of going through therapy to deal with his anxiety. And he said that the therapist told him, I want you to start writing down the things that you're grateful for. Three times to four times a week, I just want you to journal your gratitude. Seems simple enough, but he said it was actually a very difficult process for him. Because he said as he began to sit down and write what he was thankful for, he could only come up with one to two things. But the more he did it, the more he walked through the process, the more the list began to grow, and he realized it's not because I don't have things to be thankful for, it's because of my perspective that made it so hard for me to write things down. Because it doesn't just naturally come to our mind. We have to bring ourselves into that place to where we force ourselves to remember and meditate about the things that we are thankful for in order for it to grow in our life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? In Psalm 103, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, And forget not all of his benefits. David is giving us a lesson in growing gratitude. He's saying it starts by remembering everything God has already done. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we want that we forget what we already have. We're we're, we're so fixated on the next thing that we forget what we've already done been blessed with. And David is saying, if you want to grow in gratitude, start remembering everything God has done. Start being grateful for everything that you have because 
thanksgiving grows from that place of remembering. When I remember the goodness of God, when I become aware of the fact that everything that I have is because of him, it lays the foundation for gratitude to start growing. Then it is my responsibility to start cultivating that emotion of gratitude in my life through my worship, my praise, and my generosity. So the more I remember, the more gratitude grows, and then I cultivate it through my worship, my praise, and my generosity. The more I do that, the more I see the result of what gratitude can do for me, and it becomes a cycle in life. It becomes a discipline in life. I'm always remembering, I'm always worshiping, and I'm always reaping. Somebody say, I'm always remembering, I'm always worshiping, and I'm always reaping. What do I mean by reaping? What I mean is, as I remember and I worship and gratitude grows, gratitude will start growing things for me. Are you with me this morning? So I remember, I worship, then I reap. Today we're going to go a step further and we're going to be looking at Psalm, the 92nd chapter. And today we're not going to focus so much on growing in gratitude, but we're going to look at what does gratitude grow for you? There are so many things I found in this study of gratitude that I was not even aware of. It began to blow my mind. And, and when I started seeing the benefit of what gratitude can grow for me, it made me want to be more grateful. Because how many of you want good things in your life? So Psalm 92, starting in verse 1, the writer says, it is good. Somebody say, it is good. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. To sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare, are you with me, Big Rich? To declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Somebody say, it is good, it is good. to give thanks to the Lord. If you've been a part of our church for some time now, you've heard me say, God's design for your life is the best design for your life. What I mean by that is God is continually moving us away from things that would be harmful or unbeneficial to us. And he's always moving us into that place of blessing, that place of truly experiencing the abundant life. And so anytime you see an instruction from the Lord he is giving it to us because he knows it's going to either move us away from something that we need to move away from or into something that we need to move into. Are you following me this morning? So when he says it is good to give thanks, he wants you to know that it is pleasant and beneficial for you to operate in thanks because it's going to produce something for you. Anytime you see an instruction from the Lord, there is a blessing attached to it if you'll be obedient. You know, we, we see things like love your neighbor or even love your enemies, and that's not a natural response to us, right? And we think, why in the world would we want to do that? Why would God put that command on us? It's because he knows it's going to produce something good for you. He, he understands that the only way you can fully experience his love is 
is by releasing love. When he teaches us to forgive people who have done us wrong, it's because he understands the only way we can fully experience forgiveness in our life is to forgive others. When he teaches us to honor him with our wealth, he's saying that because he understands the power of what honor unlocks for us. See, when we honor God, it's not just a blessing that God receives from us, but then God is able to release a blessing to us based upon what we've done. A lot of people don't understand this, and it's important for us to catch this morning. God operates within the framework of seed time and harvest. Somebody say seed time and harvest. What that means is every seed has the potential to produce an intended harvest. We understand that with an orange seed. What will it grow? Orange tree. So every seed has the ability to produce an intended harvest. The only way to receive a harvest is to plant the seed. Is everybody with me? It's very simple. The seed can produce the harvest, but it cannot produce a harvest unless the seed is sown. That's how God operates. He gives us an instruction to sow the seed, knowing what it's going to bring into our life. So when he says giving thanks is good, he's saying if you can be intentional to release the seed, I want you to understand that seed will produce and begin to grow something in your life that you need. The abundant life that Jesus offers doesn't just happen to us. It happens because we have learned to sow the proper seed. And understand that everything is a seed. Every day you are sowing seed, either intentionally or unintentionally. But what we need to know is unintentional seeds very rarely grow good harvest. Because good things grow with good intentions. Meaning I've identified the seed and I am planting the seed on purpose. Somebody say my sowing has to be intentional. This week I was <laughs> walking through my house. And as I began to walk through the house, I noticed a mess. It would make me feel a lot better this morning if you guys would let me know if your house ever gets messy. Thank you, because sometimes I feel like I'm the only one. Our house can literally be cleaned, and within minutes, look like a tornado has come through. Every time we clean, I have a discussion with my kids. I'm like, now, girls, we just clean. Let's see how long we can keep it this way. They must hear, hey, we just cleaned. Let's see how quickly we can destroy it because that's what they do. And as I notice the destruction of things that I pay really good money for, I get frustrated. So I'm walking to the house. All I'm noticing is the disaster, and my response is frustration. And whenever I move into frustration, I get into a mood. I know y'all don't see that on Sunday morning. Y'all see, oh, Pastor Arm, he's, you know, he's got it all together. No, this boy knows how to get a mood. 
<laughs> Yesterday we were at a basketball tournament. My wife is coaching. I'm the assistant coach. And she approached the clock table to let them know they didn't stop the clock. When she went over and said, you need to stop the clock, the man operating the clock table popped off at her in a very rude, disgusting manner. This guy right here had to operate in the fruit of self-control in that moment. <laughs> because every fiber of arm is shaken was about to go do something that was going to land me in a very good prison ministry. <laughs> the flesh wants to react. It's natural. It's normal for every single person. You see something that frustrates you, you get frustrated by it. And so that's what's happening in my house. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing all the problems, and I start to get frustrated. But in that moment, as soon as it hit me, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to allow what's happening around me to determine my mood. I'm going to begin to thank God. I'm going to begin to praise God. I'm going to begin to worship God. And in that moment, I shifted my environment and my atmosphere by the seed I intentionally sowed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What you need to understand is in life, the blessings that you have also have burdens that come along with it. If you have a home, there will be a burden of upkeep. If you have children, there will be a burden that comes with the children. If you have a marriage, which is a blessing from God, there's also going to be some burden there. But what we have to do is we have to learn how to train our mind to focus on the blessing and be grateful for the blessing because if we focus on the burden, all we're going to do is become more burdened ourselves. So gratitude, as I shift into this place of gratitude, and I start intentionally allowing it to grow, and I start intentionally cultivating it, then gratitude starts growing good things for me. Somebody say, it is good, it is good. to give thanks, give thanks to, the Lord. to the Lord. That's a verse I've read so many times, but I've never dug into what makes it so good. Because sometimes we look at it and we just go, oh, well, it's, it's a noble thing to worship God, and it is. You know, it's our right response to what God has done, and it is. But at the same time, I want you to see that as we're doing a good thing, that good thing is going to produce something good for me because that's how God functions. The seed is sown, the harvest will come. Somebody say, the seed is sown, the harvest will come. So what can gratitude grow for me? Before we even get into Bible stuff, I want, you to, sh I want to show you some things that science has shown. And when you hear these things that science has already proven about gratitude, I want you to understand that they're not inventing it. They're just echoing what Scripture has already said for thousands of years. Isn't it amazing, like, scientists think that they've discovered something new, yet the Bible's been saying it all along? Watch this. Somebody said, what can gratitude grow for me? Gratitude improves your brain function and physical health. Gratitude improves your brain function and physical health. Isn't that amazing? Gratitude creates happiness. So many times we're, we're trying to pursue things to find happiness, not realizing that the happiness that we're looking for can be found in just being grateful for what we already have. 
It will change your life, man. Just being grateful for the fact that you have air in your lungs. I'm telling you, man, the more I have studied about gratitude, the more I am allowing it to shape my life. And when I start catching myself moving into a, a time of complaining, which is very natural for me, I'm stopping myself and I'm saying, you know what? I'm going to be thankful in this moment. Gratitude creates happiness. Gratitude is an antidote for toxic emotions. Gratitude is an antidote for toxic emotions. It combats toxic emotions. Gratitude improves relationships and opens doors to people and opportunities because it's more desirable to be around a grateful person than an ungrateful person. Some of you are like, well, I just have no friends. <laughs> Wonder why. <laughs> I was talking to a couple last night. They were inviting my wife and I to become their new friends because <laughs> <they've> <laughs> all these friends keep on exiting their life because of drama and stuff. And they, they were like, you know, I just, we just don't want to be around them anymore because every time we're around them, it's always their problems and their confusion and their fussing and their fighting. And I'm like, I get that. I've got enough problems of my own. I don't need to enter into your problems as well. I want to be around people who encourage and lift up, who who build. Are you with me? And again, I've not always been this person. I'm not always this person, but I'm intentionally trying to become this because of what it can produce. Gratitude boosts serotonin and produces dopamine. Dopamine is your brain's pleasure chemical. Serotonin plays a key role. Get this. Serotonin, which comes through from gratitude, Serotonin plays a key role in mood, sleep, digestion, wound healing, bone health, blood clotting, and sexual desire. I don't need Viagra. I should even be thankful. <laughs> I was like, is our church strong enough to handle that one? <laughs> Man, listen, if you want to change your marriage, seriously, you want to change your marriage, start thinking about how grateful you are for that person yeah. and start expressing that gratitude. Sometimes we just think that people should assume, and they don't. Sometimes we just assume they know how we feel, and they don't. But if I can actually, and I'm not just saying, hey, telling them I'm thankful, but actually, man, start thinking. Husbands, wives, start meditating on how grateful you are for that individual and for everything that they do for you and start expressing it. I promise one thing is going to happen first. Your desire for them is going to grow. And then as you begin to honor them for what they do, then their desire for you is going to begin to grow. It brings us into intimacy. Being grateful for one another brings us into intimacy with one another. Too many times relationships fall apart because people don't take the time to simply say thank you. And here's something that you should learn. Whatever you do not celebrate in your life will eventually exit your life. People will be drawn to those who will be grateful for them. You may think, oh, it'll never happen to me. Give it time. 
It'll start with an emotional attachment, then it'll move into a physical attachment until your relationship is severed. Gratitude is powerful. Turn to the person next to you and gratitude is powerful. As I begin to grow in gratitude, gratitude starts growing good things for me. But I've got to be intentional. And I've got to understand that the happiest people in the world are not those that have it all. The happiest people in the world are those who are grateful for what they already have. They make the most of what they already have. Then it actually creates space for you to obtain more. What's the Bible say? Those who are faithful in little become what? Rulers over much, rulers over more. What if God is looking at what we are doing with what we currently have before he opens up the window to give us more? Why would he bless me with more of something if I can't be thankful for, with what I already have? If I can't steward what I already have well, why would he release more? He won't. Because gratitude expands. Gratitude enlarges my capability to handle what God is going to pour out on me. And he knows once he pours it out on me, he can trust me with it because I've shown him through my actions and my lifestyle of worship. Gratitude grows something for me. My grandfather, who was my dad's dad, was the most content man I've ever met. There was just something about him. He was just always in this atmosphere of gratitude, thanksgiving, always celebrating others, lifting others up, encouraging others to go forward and, and telling us how proud of us he was for the things that we were doing in, in ministry and just, just a pleasant man to be around. But I realized that that contentment was really dug out through learning how to be grateful in every season of his life. Learning to be grateful even when he didn't have what he needed in the moment. And actually that gratitude paved the way for God to bring it into his life. But he was a grateful man. I remember when we were kids, he had a swimming pool. And all the kids would come swimming and, you know, we just jump in, we're having a good time. My grandfather would come out and he had this pair of khaki swim trunks that he wore every time. It had a navy blue stripe down the side. And he would come to the end of the diving board and my grandfather was a man's man. I mean, big guy, barrel chest. And he would come to the end of the diving board and he would raise his hands and begin to give God thanks. And at the end of his prayer, he would then dive in and swim all the way to the end of the pool. But that's how he was in every aspect of his life. He wasn't just a powerful preacher on the stage. He was a man in his home, in his private time, who was constantly giving God thanks. You could be sitting at the table with him and he would slip out of that conversation into a time of thanksgiving and prayer. It was amazing, but because he had that lifestyle, he created space for God to move in his life. So you, you heard that entire list of benefits, but what I will also want you to hear today is that gratitude creates space for God to move. Somebody say, gratitude, gratitude. 
create space for God to move. Remember, unless a seed is sown, a harvest cannot come. So your gratitude is creating the space for God to move. You say, well, God can do anything he wants. That is true, but he is bound by his what? Anybody know what he's bound by? His word. He honors it above his name. So once he sets in motion how something's going to operate, that is how it's going to operate. And seed time and harvest is the way God operates. Fact. When he wanted creation, he spoke. That's the seed. When he wanted a family, what did he do? He gave a son. That's the seed. All through Scripture, you see seed time and harvest. And so I want you to understand that as you sow the seed, it creates space for God to move. Somebody say it creates space. In 2 Chronicles, the 16th chapter, verse 9, the Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the entire earth. So imagine God in heaven right now. He's just looking all around. You want to know what he's looking for? The Bible said someone whose heart is blameless toward him. Or other translations will say he's looking for someone whose heart is toward him. When he finds that person, the Bible says he responds by showing himself strong on their behalf. So as God looks and finds the person whose heart is toward him, he says, look out. I'm going to show myself strong on their behalf. What is that heart that is toward him? That heart that is toward him is a grateful heart, a thankful heart, a heart that lives in that atmosphere of praise and worship, understanding that everything that we have is a gift from God. Listen to me, church. If you want to see God move in your life, start honoring him as God. Begin to thank him for what he's done because it will stretch the parameters of what he will do for you. So somebody say it creates space. The next thing that thanksgiving and gratitude does is it brings me into his presence. You don't just come into God's presence any way you want. First is the door. You got to come through the right door. That's Jesus Christ. His shed blood gives you access in. But once you come into that kingdom and that realm, it is your thanksgiving and praise that brings you into his presence. Watch what the Bible says in Psalm 1611. Uh, actually, Psalm 104 first. It says, enter his gates, how? With thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So my gratitude brings me into the presence of God. Why do I want to be in the presence of God? Because of what Psalm 1611 says. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The reason that gratitude can create happiness is because gratitude brings you into the presence of God where there is fullness of joy. And joy is actually way better than happiness. Because happiness comes and goes based upon what's happening in your life. But joy can remain constant. Your joy can remain full as long as you remain in his presence. That's where the fullness of joy is and pleasures. Forevermore, God is not against you having pleasure. 
He wants you to live a blessed life. He wants you to have the abundant life. But there are steps to bringing you in. And so many times we wrestle against the steps because we don't want to do it. We don't want to love our enemy. We don't want to forgive. We don't want to honor God with our wealth. And then we have this life of lack and depletion, and we go, I wonder why I'm a Christian. Have you sown the seed? Have you planted the seed to bring the harvest? And here's the beautiful thing about a seed. You can start examining it and going, okay, this is what that seed's going to bring. I'm going to plant it. Here's what that seed has the potential to bring into my life. I'm going to plant it. I'm going to water it. I'm going to look after it. I'm going to tend it. The other morning, I text my wife. She's at work. I said, I can't let another second of this day go by without me just telling you how blessed and thankful I am for you in my life. I'm planting a seed. And I reap the harvest. Oh, I'm just kidding with you. But those are, th those are things I I'm just trying to show you. Like, I, I try to be very intentional with our relationship because I want a relationship that thrives. I want a marriage to where we actually want to be around each other and that it is a joy to spend time with one another. And that is cultivated through things like honor and gratitude and celebrating. All of those things are important. And when I reflect my praise to God, man, it brings me into his presence where there's fullness of joy, pleasure forevermore. And then here it is, freedom. Somebody say freedom. freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Every bondage that would try to bind me has to let go when I come into the presence of God. Because where his presence is, there is freedom. If I can learn how to push into his presence which most of us never learn even how to push into his presence because we think, oh, it's just showing up to church. Nope. You can come and watch Randy sing till he's black and blue in his face and never enter the presence of God because it's something you have to do for yourself. When you begin to open up your mouth and lift your hands and set your mind on the creator of all things and start giving him worship and honor and glory and praise, and sometimes guys go, well, that's not manly. Let me tell you something. The most manly thing you can do is learn to come into the presence of God because you'll never be the man you've been called to be without Jesus. You'll never be the father you've been called to be without Jesus. You'll never accomplish anything you were meant to accomplish without the presence of God. And the most manly man understands their need for Jesus Christ. David was a manly man. If you read his story in Scripture, he was not the kind of guy you wanted to mess with. Many times we see like old, feeble, little you know, drawn up little boy running around with a slingshot. That's not David. David would cut your head off and deliver it to your family. He was a bad dude. But you know what? He had a heart towards God. He knew how to worship. He knew how to praise. He knew how to thank God. And because of that, he experienced the freedom. Somebody say freedom. Many of you are aware of the story of Jonah. If you grew up in church, it's a story You've heard, you know, God tells Jonah, hey, I want you to go here and preach. And Jonah goes, nah, I'll go over here. Doesn't turn out good for him. Because remember, God's trying to lead us into the place of blessing. And anytime we go, nah, I'll do it my own way. We don't end up in blessing. We end up in a mess. And so because of Jonah's disobedience, God has to deal with him. 
And a storm comes up. He's on a boat. Storm's coming up. People are freaking out. What are we going to do? And Jonah goes, here's the deal, guys. I'm the problem. And they solved the problem by throwing him overboard. <laughs> and the Bible says that God had prepared a big fish for Jonah. And some people go, that's not a fish big enough to swallow, Jonah. First off, we don't know what's in that ocean. Second, God could have created a fish just for that specific moment to swallow Jonah. Third, he could have said, hey, Nemo, it's your time to shine. You're going to get bigger for a moment. So any way that God wants to do it, God could have done it. And so God has this fish that he prepared, swallows Jonah. And in the midst of this time where Jonah is in the belly of this fish, he starts going, you know what? I messed up. <laughs> You're like, here's your sign. You know, <laughs> it's amazing how, like, some of us, we have to go all the way into the belly of the well before we go, hey, I messed up. <laughs> it's like the storm that comes up when we're on the boat's not enough. Like, that's not enough to go, okay, God, you got my attention. You got to go into the belly of the well. Which, and I'm saying well, it wasn't a well. It could have been a well. I don't know. It's a large fish. But honestly, when you think about the story, before I go on and drive the point home, it's the mercy of God that prepared the fish. Because God could have let Jonah just go his own way. But he would have never fulfilled his purpose. So sometimes the persecution you're feeling, I don't know who needs to hear this, but sometimes the persecution you're feeling is actually the goodness of God pursuing you, trying to pull you back into that place that he's called you to be. He's saying it's, running time is over. Running time is over. It's time to get back on track. So watch what Jonah does in the belly of this fish. Jonah, the second chapter, verse 9, it says, Jonah says this, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, the voice of what? Thanksgiving. thanksgiving. I'm going to muster up some gratitude in the midst of this fish. With the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on dry ground. As soon as he released gratitude and thanksgiving to God, the presence of God showed up and said, Okay, fish, you've done your job. Let him go. Now, that's a scenario that Jonah got himself into. And some of us live in that realm of we got ourselves into it. But God is still good enough to get us out. But on the flip side of the coin, you can read about Paul and Silas in the New Testament who end up in jail for preaching the gospel. And as they're in jail, with many things that they could be complaining about, they begin to worship and praise God. And as they release their thanksgiving, the Bible says their chains fall off and the doors open. Why? Because thanksgiving brings freedom. Thanksgiving brings change. It changes the way we think. The Bible teaches us that we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We, we grow up in a, in a world that is not renewed. It's old. It's broken. It's malfunctioning. When we come into Christ, we've got to spend time Learning how to think differently. We've got to renew our mind and start thinking with the mind of Christ and not the mind of this flesh. And that mind is renewed through things like gratitude. Intentionally looking at the things I'm grateful for. 
and taking time to praise God for them. Gratitude is the answer to so many things that you may be facing today. And God will move. God will respond. God will help. But he will wait for the seed to hit the ground. I'm wondering today how many people are willing to start putting the seed in the ground. Preparing for the harvest to come into your life. Thank you.